Welcome back, everybody, to the State of the Seawolves, the Statesman Sports Section's talk show podcast where we give our takes on what's going on in the land of Stony Brook sports. By the way, if you follow up with Stony Brook Athletics on their YouTube page, you know that they verbatim stole that name. They interviewed Joe Spelina and called it the State of the Seawolves, so we're going to have to talk to them about that. Pretty sure that's copyright infringement because uh, we are our own official business. But anyways, um, we're back. We missed you. It's been a while. Things got a little hectic there, so we had to uh, cut back on this. But we're back. We're ready. I think we're better than ever. We got some new people. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get started. So first today, we're going to talk about the women's basketball team, the red hot first place Stony Brook women's basketball team. And here to help me do that is Cameron Tockmill. Alex DeMauro and Kevin Yu. Gentlemen, how do you do? Doing well, doing well. All right. All right, boys. So the topic I brought for you today, would this year be a disappointment to not win the CAA tournament? Um, I can start. Absolutely, this year would be a disappointment. The team doesn't win the CAA tournament. You know, all their victories this year has been double digits. So for that dominance in the regular season to not translate to the postseason would be a real shame. You know, second best total rebounding team, best defensive rebounding team in general, and a top six defense paired with a with a top five offense. And for them not to win at all would just be a waste of time and just a real waste of the season considering so many of their players are seniors and grad students. Yeah, I agree. What about you, AD? Yeah, I mean, going off that, I would definitely say it would be a disappointment if they don't win. They're, they've been the most dominant team in the conference all season long. Not only that, but... Two, their two leading scorers are gone next year, Kari Clark and, and Gigi. So with how dominant they've been, it it would just, again, like Kevin said, be a waste of the season to not win at all. Right. What about you, Cameron? I mean, not to jump the gun, but I would be surprised if they didn't at the least make it to the, to the final game, if not win the CAA championship. I think if you have a team that night in, night out is the best team on the court uh, against any opponent and is just – thoroughly outmatching teams through the town alone, the expectations to win aren't that lofty. And I think it would be an utter failure if they didn't reach their goals. I agree. All right, clean sweep there. So <laughs> good job, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Now we are going to talk some Stony Brook men's basketball. So, you know, just the other locker room this time. Uh, Kenny Spirell, you're going to come out and help me. And uh, Naden Villarente, who is currently virtual, he's back home right now. He's what we call a narc. He's an RA, so he's on duty, but uh, but he's doing double duty because he's still helping out here at the Statesman. Boys, welcome. How are you? All right. And that's about as enthusiastic as Kenny has ever been. What about you, Naden? I'm chilly. All right, good. Good. That's that's very on brand of Naden. All right. So, gentlemen, the topic that I brought for us to discuss, because I'll be chiming in as well, with one more month left of the regular season, how are we feeling about the men's team right now? So, Kenny, I'll start with you. I mean, it's a very confusing team. They've proved that they can play with pretty much everybody. Yeah. So far, uh, they've played 10 in-conference games. All ten of those have been de- uh, decided by single digits, mm. um, and they're five and five, so they've been on the wrong side of half. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're in the middle of the pack. There's also games that you know they should have won, and they were ahead the whole time, and then they almost blew it at the end. Right. So it's all going to depend on how well can they band together in the second half 
and finish out games. Um, if you're looking at the rest of the schedule, I mean, all of them are winnable games yeah. other than maybe Drexel because they've been on a tear. Right. But it, it really depends on the second halves. What say you, Naden? Honestly, I'd say a bit concerned, to be honest. You know, they have a really good team overall. We know they have good players in the point guard position, the small forward position, in the forward position, and even in the paint with Fitzmorris and Mido. But at the end of the day, the issue is if they could close out games or not. And early in the season, you notice they struggled to close out games in the CAA. But as of late, at home, for instance, against UNC Wilmington and against Northeastern, they have been able to come out in clutch to win these games that are decided by single digits. So at the end of the day, it's going to be if they could come together and just show that they're good enough to do it. Because they have the players. It just will they show up. Yeah, so as corny as it's going to be, I, I'm I'm sort of like agreeing in agreement with both of you. You know, I, I'm definitely concerned. That's that's the spot that I lean in. Uh, like Kenny said, they're five and five in conference play. They should be 10 and 0 in conference play. Yeah. Now it's it's in a it's, perfect world. Right. In a perfect world. Right. Well, obviously, in a perfect world, they'd be, you know, 22 and 0 or 21 and 0, whatever that number is. But the fact of the matter is bad teams can't finish games, right? And we don't look at them as a bad team. And why would we? I mean, they've got the requisite players to be a good team. You know, you got two good point guards. You got two good centers. You got a very good, a couple of very good floor spacers with Jared Fry and Tyler Stevenson Moore. Now all, all of a sudden, Sabri Phillip is getting some burn and he's playing well, right? Uh, Andre Snowdy has has played better since conference season has begun. Uh, he's still a little up and down, but he he brings them something. However, they just can't finish, and it doesn't matter who their their opponent is. It doesn't matter where they're playing, whether it's at home or on the road. They can't finish. Um, if games ended in the first half, they probably would be like eight and two or something like that. I don't know what the whole uh, record is. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they've blown they've blown 13 point leads, 10 point leads. They've blown leads in games that they've won. Uh, they've blown substantial leads in games that they've lost. And the fact that they're, um, you know, amassing these leads, that shows that they can do it. But the fact that they're never able to capitalize on it shows me that they can't do it. So I lean in the direction of can't do it. I, I am a little bit concerned. I'm happy that they're better. I'm happy that Gino earned himself an extension. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with them. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them be a debilitating first round exit in the same fashion, you know, up by 12 at the half, maybe grows by as much as 15 in the second. And then, you know, and then it's a free throw shooting contest yeah. at the end and they're on the wrong side of it. So it'd be sad if they made it further last year than they do this year. You'd almost consider this year a failure if that were the case, especially because they've got, you know, allegedly, it's one of the oldest teams in the nation. They probably have the oldest team in the nation. All five starters are graduate students. It's not even a senior in the starting lineup. They're all grad students. So they should be experienced. They should know how to win. They should know how to close games. But they don't. That's a coaching problem. As much as I like Gino, that is a coaching problem. And uh, we'll see if that gets resolved over this final month. Um, and obviously, we'll revisit this topic as, uh, as the postseason nears. Uh, but thank you, gentlemen. We will now switch topics to hockey. Uh, unfortunately, question mark, uh, we got to talk about them, right? So I bring to you Tommy Pardo, Anthony DeCoco, and Kevin Broderick. Anthony, of course, as always, is at home right now on Zoom. Gentlemen, how are we doing? 
I'm doing better. I'd be better if Anthony was here with me. Yeah, right. Yeah. He is. He is a cozy yeah. person to be around. Love him. I saw him in the hallway one time last week. I gave him a hug. Me and my dick. Yeah, I know. He's a uh, he's that kind of an infectious spirit. What about you, Tommy? How are you? It's fine. Just have just have, have a lot of uh, running assignments, trying to get get through each day. Just just with the smile, you know. Yeah, I feel you, buddy. All right, so. Let's talk about a team that is definitely having trouble smiling right now. Uh, the hockey team, they're having their worst year ever. Like, that's not even up for debate. They're having their worst year ever. And, uh, and of course, they decided to wait until we covered them to do it. Why did this epic rebuild turn into such an epic failure? So, KB, I'm going to start with you. Because there was a complete lack of depth scoring on the team. There, there was no one brought in. I mean, honestly... You know, I, I interviewed Garrow and he was he was very clear that there was a problem with depth scoring. But I would actually go further. I'm gonna make the point that there's no scoring on this team. <laughs> there's there's no scoring anywhere on this team. I mean, I was praising Nakagawa for a while. He was he was doing pretty well in the beginning of the season. You know, I think he got up to thirteen points. I think he might still be at thirteen points. Is that like fourteen? Or maybe it's not something impressive. I mean, like sure, Matt Minerva is your top goal scorer, but he can't play defense for the life of him. So right. he's you know it's just it's an absolute nightmare like the the couple of guys that you can turn to to say are good weren't brought in mm -hmm. that's why the rebuild's going worse because the guys that you brought in aren't doing what they were supposed to one of them left yeah so you know the, it's not even the whole team another one got injured for the rest of the season mm -hmm. gormnick's been out the entire it's just a dumpster fire yeah it's just what it is and and to say like i don't know the the final piece of why this rebuild failed um no centers no experienced defensemen right and inside of the ACHA, like this is not NCAA hockey. You know, you're not looking to get, you know, the, a guy who's going to go as the first overall draft pick inside of the NHL. Mm -hmm. These guys don't have the finesse of those players. It is very much sound fundamentals, smart players. And occasionally you'll get a guy like maybe like Kazi, who does way better than anyone could have ever expected. But the fact is, is you didn't get the centers that can play those fundamentals. You didn't get the defensemen that can play those fundamentals. Right. Yeah. It was very puzzling hearing Garrow talk in the uh, preseason talking about how, like, you know, the defensemen have to be better this year. Last year's defensemen were offensively minded. And what did he do? He brought in like five offensively minded I mean, defensemen. I he mean, got a guy that led his team in, in scoring from the defensive position. He got another guy who didn't start most of his games in D3 and then comes here and just tries to be physically dominant inside the offensive zone. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's sort of a Groundhog Day type thing. Anthony, what about you at home? Why do you think this epic rebuild turned into an epic failure? Everything KB said was correct. So I'm going to I'm going to go more so to the defenseman. There's just no structure in the defensive zone either. They recently started to implement a trap the last few games. They're limiting shots a little bit, but they're still giving up like four or five goals a game. There just seems to be a lack of communication and togetherness on the ice as well. A lot of guys go at multiple, two guys going at one player. Guys are left wide open in the slot. And unlike last se last season and the year before that, Kazakov's not having an unbelievable year like he usually does. He has a, si a, a sub-900 save percentage this year. Yeah. And on top of that, I think a lot of guys took steps back from last year. You look at Nick Zerilli last year, he had 10 goals. This year, he's stuck at one. Devin Pepe, he's got two goals and four assists after being one of the leaders on the team last year with 25-plus points. And, you know, like KB said, there's been a lot of stagnation on the offense. You look at Justin Nakagawa, I think he's been stuck at 14 points for about nine or ten games now. And Matt Minerva, like he says, is the only one that scores. So 
you really can't even complain about the defense because he is the only one that's scoring. So it's it's just a tough situation all around. The problem there is that his defense is so abysmal that you have to complain about it. And it's yeah. Yeah, but. no, it's it's he's the kind of guy that will sit in the offensive zone until the puck comes back to the offensive zone. Yeah. And then be offsides because he didn't get out of the offensive zone in time. And he's got the effort issues, too. I mean, like, like if, it, if the if the puck is headed up the ice towards him and it's not a perfect pass, he'll let it go by him. The whole team has given up. Yeah, everyone. Everyone's checked out. You could hear it. I mean, some of us have classes with them. You could hear it in, in their rhetoric. You know, you could hear them blaming one another. It's it's awful. All right, Tommy, <laughs> why was this epic rebuild an epic failure? I feel that there are too many spots to point to, especially the defense. There's there have been many defensive lapses, mm-hmm. constantly like the two players going on one, and then that leads to like uneven opportunities, like a three on two, two on one, or even the two on zero on Kazakov. Mm-hmm. Like a song like Kazakov, totally down season this year. He has not performed the way he has. He's being peppered with shots constantly, like thirty five plus plus game, and then. Spring still on the, on the goaltending front. They have Scott Barnica, who's been a dependent backup. He's also been peppered with shots about like 35, 36 plus shots per game. So you would say the defense is probably the cause of it, the yeah. biggest culprit. Yeah, I'll probably have to agree. Although, then again, it's 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 tough to discredit. It's tough to it's point tough the to defense say what's when the worst on the so team. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really hard. Like the, They don't have an identity. They don't, right? They it's, don't. It's like with women's, ba- I mean, women's basketball is actually very good defensively, but at least you know they're going to score. Yeah. They're always going to score. I mean, they, to what Anthony was saying was like, they just started trying to implement a trap. It's like, you, where was this at the beginning right. of the season? Yeah, you waited to be 5'10 and 2. To I, I just want to add one thing, too. Usually, if you're lacking in the skill department, you would try to do a more hustle game and trap, and it just, I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. No, no, that's that's there's none. But the problem is, is then also like the offensive defensemen that we're saying are like there's like one of them can't even receive the puck properly off of a pass. Right. Like the amount of times that I've seen town at the point or anywhere on the blue line there to receive a pass from someone else and the puck just goes back his stick, like goes behind his stick. I'm just like, what's happening? <laughs> okay, all right. Before this turns into a cyberbullying event, let's uh, let's transition to the spring sports. So, thank you, gentlemen. We're gonna talk about uh, Stony Rick softball now, I believe. Right? That's uh, is that what's up on the document? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna talk some Stony Brook softball. So, uh, Anthony's gonna hang around, and George Karatsis is going to replace Kevin Broderick, and uh, and yeah, it's just gonna be those two. So, gentlemen, you've done some research. You've done some interviewing with the uh, with the softball team. Should this team win the CAA this year? So, Anthony, I'm going to start with you because you're a little more experienced on this topic. You got to cover them last year in their tournament run. So, go ahead, Anthony, start us off. Should they win the CAA? I think that they should. I think that they have a dangerous lineup, and it's largely unchanged from last year. The one difference is... Ashley Jacobson's not back, but they got Kira McFarlane back, so it's kind of, you know, kind of evens out there. Maybe different players, but the talent level's there. And I think that the uh, addition of Gabrielle Madej is going to be big for them. They need another pitcher. I think as long as Mia Haynes performs like she did at the back half of last year, I think that they're going to be fine, and they should they should at least compete, if not win the CAA. I think that they one of the front runners. Yeah, I agree. They're definitely one of the front runners. But George, what do you what do you say? Are they the front runner? Well, I think baseball, baseball and softball are the one sport that you can kind of point the finger and say 
it's completely unpredictable and anyone can win on any given day. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're looking at it from a statistics standpoint, they are the best team in the conference. Yeah. And they were they were good, not great last year, and they made the good run at the end. And their biggest the offense is gonna speak for itself. That lineup is probably the best in the conference. I'm pretty confident saying that. And they all play good defense. Exactly. And they have a trio of pitchers now. Their biggest issue last year was pitching depth behind Mia Haynes. And they added a serviceable, who I think is going to be a really good arm in Gabriel Mayday. And I think that coupled with the elite defense is going to be a good formula for prohibiting runs when they're going to score a lot. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's a team with an identity. Exactly. <laughs> so, they, yeah, they score a lot. Right. That's their identity. Exactly. Right. And, you know, they they allow just few enough runs to uh, to win more than they lose. All right. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. I definitely think that they are the front runner and I think they they should be the front runner. The polls aren't out yet, are they? CAA polls are kind of lacking with baseball and softball. I don't think they're out. Well, speaking of CAA baseball, uh, Alex Tomorrow is going to come and take George Karatsis' seat. Um, Anthony DeCoco is dismissed, although he could hang around if he'd like to. And, uh, AD and I are going to talk some, some, uh, some Stony Brook baseball. So, all right, AD. So the topic that I brought for us to debate today, and of course I gave you some articles to read to get caught up, but, um, because of how good baseball is here, it probably had its toughest year ever last year, or at least maybe its second toughest year ever. Um, what are the chances that they bounce back this season? You want, I you, think you should go first. You think I should go first? I okay, so. I guess it is my fourth year covering yeah. them, right? Yeah. Um, low, <laughs> low. I I don't I don't see it. You know, I culture wins games. Okay, and there's going to be times this year where they win games that they shouldn't, and they will finish games because they're a winning culture. They have been to a college world series. They historically they're the best team on this campus. I understand what women's lacrosse has done. But historically, they're the best team on this campus under Matt Sank, who's in year 34 as head coach. So their culture is going to win them games. They're going to be competitive. But last year, they were that team that always lost by one or two. They could never, you know, get the big hit when they needed. They struggled late in game on the mound. And they say in sports that it's the bad teams that lose those games. Um, That's just a saying. Sayings are not necessarily rules. But it's it's a saying, right? It's the bad teams that lose those games that always lose by one score. Um, so you you're always losing by one score. Now you lose your best hitter, one of the best hitters in program history. You lose one of the best contact hitters in the nation, and he goes to Elon, who's in this conference. You lose Derek Allen, who's coming off a career year, and you lose your two best starting pitchers. At, well, your three best starting pitchers. One of them is, of course, at Coastal Carolina now, just to give you an idea of how good Josh O'Neill was. So. I mean, their idea of replacing them was getting a bunch of D2, D3, and Juco guys. And and who knows? I mean, Matt Sank has built a College World Series roster. He would know better than I would. But right now, I'm dubious. I'll just say, I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, I was uh, kind of going off what you were saying at the end there. The the guys they brought in, there's so much uncertainty. Right. Especially with, what, are 10 of them freshmen? 10 of them are freshmen, 7 are transfers. Are freshmen, 7 transfers. And 5 of the transfers are not D1 players. Right. So, obviously, we don't really know what they're going to do at the, right. at the D1 level. They could be crazy. Right. They <laughs> could be good. but So, we don't know what they're going to do at the D1 level yet. And I think baseball, especially, is one of those sports that you can't really predict. Like, you can have an idea, but once the se- you won't really know until the season starts, especially right. here, I feel like, because we've never seen 
most of these players. So I would agree with you, and I'd say low, especially because the CAA was also um, one of the best conferences in the nation last year. So it's mm-hmm. it's a tough conference. You're bringing in either new guys or guys with no college baseball experience. So yeah. I think it'll be tough. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the most important point, too. Like, if they were still in the America East, which is one of the 10 worst, one of the five worst, I think, conferences in, in, the, in the country, they'd be just fine. But, uh, but last year the CAA was seventh in RPI that's going to go up yeah because they just added Campbell who's a perennial top 25 uh team and perennial region regionals appearance team so you know Campbell Northeastern who's a top 25 school UNC Wilmington who's the reigning champion and then uh and then Elon who's not going anywhere Charleston is not going anywhere Delaware has probably the best offense in the conference or at least one of the three best offenses Hofstra batted over 300 as a team last year, and they returned like at least four 330 hitters. That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, so I mean, good competition. Right. And William and Mary is one of the best pitching teams in the conference. So there's only six playoff spots. I just named eight teams. Oh, you never know. So they're going to have to be better than at least three of them. And you better hope that Monmouth and North Carolina AT and Towson didn't all of a sudden decide to get good because we also don't know, right? We're not exactly, um, we're not there. We don't have the connections over there to know if those teams are going to be any good. So it's going to be tough. But, We'll see if anybody could do it. It's Matt Sank and his baseball program. So thank you, AD. Now we're going to talk some laughs because this is a Long Island program, too. So we're going to bring on this is a chivalrous program. We always do women's first. We're going to bring on Aiden Stang and Kevin Broderick to talk about the women's lacrosse team here who haven't played yet. But, you know, we're close enough. Gentlemen, Mike, are we Mike? Um, so gentlemen, what I brought for you today on the women's lacrosse front, cause you're going to be here for two segments, um, for women's lacrosse, how possible is it that they win the national title? All right, Mike, well, you're talking a lot about winning cultures, mm-hmm. talking a lot about coaches and, and how they build teams. I want to tell you about Joe Spelina. Tell me about Joe Spelina. This is a guy that knows winning culture. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that knows how to build a winning team. Now, obviously, he, they haven't gotten over the hump yet. Him and his team haven't gotten over the hump to get that national title. But that's what we're talking about, a national title. That is his culture. Mm-hmm. You know, reading the articles that the quotes that he had last year, it is literally national title or bust for him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about, con- I don't say he doesn't care about conference games. He expects to win every single conference game. He expects to win the CAA. Mm-hmm. And his, his players are good enough to do that year in and year out. Right. So to answer your question, I think because of him and because of the culture that he's built up with and the star-studded roster that he is returning, because it is a core of important pieces that are returning, Mm -hmm. I think that they are going to make another run at the national title. I think they're going to get deeper this year. And I think they shouldn't be a favorite to win the entire tournament, but I think they should be a dark horse. You're and talking it, about the national the national tournament. I was gonna say is. if you're saying they're a dark horse of the CAA. No, no they are they are the, over there. they are the favorite for the CAA. They're a dark horse for the national tournament. And that is because of coaching, it's because of culture. Yeah. Women's lacrosse at Sony Brook currently owns the longest active division one sports winning streak against conference opponents. That's that's, that's every sport. All, yeah. All golf, NCAA. Golf, swimming and dive, squash, all of it. Sony Brook women's lacrosse is uh Owns the current longest streak. So eight are the real deal. How possible is a national title? Well, let me just start off by saying women's lacs are an incredible team. Yeah. Like CAA is probably the easiest thing for them. They literally went undefeated last season. Mm-hmm. They cruised to the championship. Easy. They were a little, they struggled a little more out of conference. Yeah. Only going eight and four. Well, 
because they played like top 25 teams at a conference. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but but that might be the only red flag towards them going all the way and winning nationals. Um, but yeah, they, they went on the second round last year by only one goal mm-hmm. in the second round of nationals. So it was really close. I mean, Ellie Macera is a monster scoring 71 goals mm-hmm. in a season. She's an absolute monster. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Kaylin Hart and Morgan Mitchell are also incredibly good as well. Defense is solid. The team is just so well-rounded. Um, so I think Nationals might be pretty difficult. Obviously, it's a pretty high undertaking for any team. Yeah. Um, but anything's possible with this team because they're so talented. Absolutely. And they're ranked right now uh, 10th in one pole, 11th in another. Um, I couldn't tell you which one, but, uh, but yeah, they, they kick off on February 18th, I believe, right? February 18th at home against, it's not against the top 25 team, right? That's, uh, that's something that they stacked the deck with last year. I don't think they really did that so much this year. Uh, no, they, they have Dartmouth. Some, yeah. They have some top 25. Yeah, no, I know. But Dartmouth isn't, uh, yeah. top, no, cause last year they opened up with Michigan who was like 18th in the nation. Yeah. Their yeah. first four of their first five games were. They should, Arizona games. State, Syracuse, John Hopkins. Those are all some pretty big games. Yeah. Rutgers as well. That's yeah. Pretty absolutely. big game. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, all right. So the consensus is what? How realistic is a national title? Dark horse contender. Dark horse contender. It's, it's, it's definitely not out of their means for sure. But yeah, it would be pretty difficult. Obviously it would be a, it would be a huge, it would be a huge thing. It'd okay. be really hard. I predicted to Sean Hilburn's face a couple of days ago that they would have the number one scoring offense in the nation. So right now, just to avoid looking like an ass, that's all I'm worried about. <laughs> but obviously, we hope the uh, the women can pull it off this year. All right. So now we're going to talk about the men. You guys don't have to go anywhere, obviously. Should they win the CAA this year? Yeah. I mean, to make a long story short, yeah, I think they definitely could. Um, talk about an incredibly talented squad. I mean, McLaughlin's probably the best goalie in the CAA. Mm-hmm. They even made it to the final last year. They were unlucky to lose. Right. They got so close though. Um, they lost by I think only a goal. Three. It's Three like goals. Thirteen to ten or something like that. Yeah, but that you know, in Lax it kind of goes really quick, so they can kind of they can turn around at any moment. Um, and of course, like the addition of uh, Dupuy this season. I mean, yeah, he his presence at X is like amazing. He's always right there. He's always ready to just pounce on a situation. So I think that could really, really put them over the edge, you know, to winning that championship game this season. Uh, Armitage and Palinetti are also really, they looked really good last game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they showed a lot of resilience in their last game, coming back when they were down. So they never gave, they never gave up. They were still 100% no matter what, unlike some Stony Brook teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the CAA is definitely very realistic for them. Yeah, God, the hockey is just—they just can't catch a break. I hope they don't listen to this. I hope they do. <laughs> I love you, hockey. I'm just kidding. Who cares? That was a joke. Yeah. Um. So, Kevin, what do you have to say? Because that's his real name, Ke- Kevin. Even though we call him KB, Kevin, what do you what do you think? Nick Dupuy is a stud. Nick Dupuy is a monster. Nick Dupuy, eight points. Yeah. Eight points. Hasn't played in two years. Three goals, five assists, and what his deb- debut game with the Seals yeah, as well, right? He, First... he has not played a regulation lacrosse yeah. game since no, that... spring of 2022. That guy's a monster. And then you put that on top of Dylan Polinetti, three goals inside of that game as well. 
And other three goal scorers includes Jack Doherty. Right. Who came out of nowhere, by the way. Came out I, of nowhere. You didn't know who Jack Doherty No. Doherty or Daughtry? Probably Doherty. Doherty. Yeah. I will figure it out as we go. <laughs> we'll learn his name if he yeah. has another hat trick. I mean, if he does that, I mean, not only just a hat trick, four points in the game. And then as, as well, you know, I wrote in the article because I was doing the preview, uh, Justin Bonacci, mm-hmm. freshman, My high coming school. in. You're a high school. <laughs> Two goals. Yeah. In his first game inside of NCAA Division One right. lacrosse. I mean, that is nuts. Right. One this, rookie of the week today. Yeah. This team has absolutely insane scoring depth, plus the best goalie inside the CA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if you talk to people around the team, they're saying they're hyping JMO up as a guy who could be one of the best goalies in the country. Mm-hmm. So we talk about identity. This team has an identity. This team is offense is going to win us games. Mm-hmm. And that's not to to diss on the defense. The defense is getting better. Guys like Christian Loud are, are underrated, according to like AP, um, the, the inside the cross. Right. Um, they wrote an article about him being an underrated player. But this team is offense first and defense will come in clutch when they need it to. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that you scored, what, 17 goals in the first game it was? 17 to 14 was their score. They gave up eight goals in the second quarter of that game and still won it by three. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm not saying, you know, it's fine if they give up eight goals in a quarter. It's not. That's one of the things you expect to get ironed out as the season goes on. And if they give up eight goals against Rutgers in this upcoming game, they're not going to win it. But, you know, it's it's the offense is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, with the with the defense, like they will get the stop when they need to. It was like that last year. Yeah, you know, this year's team, which this is always what you want to see. This year's team is last year's team but plus better. a couple of yeah. new better players. So, the, really, the only reason why they didn't win the championship last year is because they couldn't beat Delaware. But the only reason why that was was because they had the best defender in the nation and one of the best attackmen in the nation, um, Owen Grant and Ty Kurtz. And they both graduated. Yep. So that kind of levels out the playing field. I feel like the CAA is wide open and I they got to win it. They have to win it because they haven't been to the NCAA yeah. tournament. I, I want to see them back to the NCAA tournament. I want to see if they can do damage in there as well because I think they could upset a pretty good team. Yeah. And I think they definitely deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like Dylan Palinetti, we haven't even mentioned this. We always do when we talk about men's across. Dylan Palinetti is one of the best five best scorers in the nation. Yeah. And I think so. Nick, based off of what we saw in that game, I think Nick Dupuy might be up there with him. Yeah. I mean, like that combo, those two guys, it's like we we talk about how the presence of one player on a field impacts the rest of the team. If you have to deal with Palinetti already and he's going to get double teamed because he needs to be double teamed at certain points in, in a game then Nick Dupuis wide open. Right. You can't you can't allow that. And Noah Armitage. And Noah Armitage. Like, and Blake the Bale list and... <laughs> goes on and on and on. And then right. you, and you can include Justin in that as well if he continues to break out. And it's, there were some guys who had bad games. I said Sean yeah. Carlo is a good player. It, it's and he didn't do anything. It's too much to handle. Yeah. I don't think I don't think any defense in the country is going to want to play against this offense. So there you go. All right. We've just got one more sport to cover. Making her podcast debut is Kira Kasser. Accompanying her is Kevin Yu. They're going to talk about the Sonia Brook women's tennis team, who had a rough start, but you know we'll see. We'll 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 take their temperature on uh on the women's tennis team. Lady and gentlemen, how are we? Good, we're good. Oh, good. We're all right. Okay, yeah. so this should be nice, quick, and easy. Um, you know, this is a team with only ten players, right? Their top four players from last year graduated. This year, they got five freshmen. Um, and they have a player who hasn't played in two years at the Carmen. So, um, 
with all that inexperience and stuff like that, new head coach, what constitutes a good year for them? So, Kevin, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think a good year for them is to be 500 okay. um, this year, just to be modest. Um, like you said, Mike, there is a lot of change for the Stony Brook women's tennis team. Um, their previous head coach, Coach Gary Glassman, retired last offseason, and he was the coach for 20 years, mm. bringing a new uh, rookie head coach in Tiago Dualibi, and you said five new freshmen, which is half the roster. So there is a little bit of change and uncertainty with the team going forward. And some and the five freshman players are brought in. They, there's not a lot of doubles experience, mm -hmm. you know, because in junior tennis, it's all singles. So I really expect this season to be a try and error and find a footing in the doubles game. And for these five freshmen, they'll find a footing in Division One tennis. So I think a 500 record at the end of the season is something they should be proud of. Okay. What about you, Kira? Well, to pull out the most basic stats, I mean, last year they went 11-8, and eight, but their record for away games was 4-4. Four and four. And the year previous to that, they had a 4-1 record at home games, but a 3-8 record for away games. Obviously, it's very early in the spring season, but they just had their first game and first loss. It was 0-4 at Army this right. past weekend. And I think that they should be worried looking at the season schedule because of the 15 games they have left, only two of them are at home. Obviously, an improved overall record from last year would be a good indicator of a good year. But personally, looking at the stats, I want to see a significant improvement in the record for weight games. Okay. Just that? All right. That's well, I mean, I guess that's they'll kind of equal each other, right? Since they only have two two yeah. home matches all year. Which so is in April. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. So all right, everybody. Great job. Um, listeners, I hope you had fun. Uh, I'm sorry that we talked your ears off, but uh, but we had fun doing it. So, uh, so yeah, tune in next week for more of our takes on uh, what's going on in Stony Brook Athletics. And do not listen to any videos they publish with our name on the title that is copyright infringement, I think. Have a good one.